Hey guys, Joe Miles here with ICO Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail Podcast. We're going to be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're going to step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. All right, everybody, as promised, we have the big buck killer of 2022 on the podcast with us, Joe Miles. We've teed this up for the last month that we wanted to have you on and talk about this almost, I'm going to go ahead and call it a historic season because it seemed like Don and I would get on the podcast and say, Joe Miles shot another buck this week. (laughs) It seemed like it was every week from the beginning of season. First of all, Welcome to the show. Thanks for the support of Osseo to Chasing Giants, but most of all, congratulations on just an awesome year. Well, man, thank you all so much for having me again. You know, it's over the last, I guess, two years really, you know, getting to know you guys and everything. It, it's just such a, a good fit for us at Osseo and and love working with y'all and have learned so much, you know, just going out there to Don's farm for the master class and seeing how he set that thing up. And it just, it, it's it's been just overwhelming, you know, getting to know y'all and getting to hang out with you and, and learn from you. So thank you so much for having me on again. And uh, yeah, man, this year was uh, something something great for sure. So Joe, you started in your home state of South Carolina. Is that right? Back in August? That's right. We opened here August 15th. We have a, I think it's the second earliest season in the country. And it didn't take you long to get on the board. <laughs> opening uh-huh. afternoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you haven't slowed down a bit since. And we was joking before we started recording, you know, it's, it seemed like, uh, it's been a week since you've shot something. So you're overdue. <laughs> yeah. I told, I told y'all before, before I'm headed to Mexico tomorrow to, um, try and hunt some mule deer down there. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I've never mule deer hunted in Mexico and, um, it'll be a, quite an experience. I think we'll go hunt over some water holes and stuff. The rut down there is kind of ending and, um, I'm, I'm excited to get down there and try it. I don't know that they've had a lot of bow hunters in this area, so it, it's definitely going to be challenging, but I'm, uh, I'm all packed up and going to head to the airport about three forty-five in the morning. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Well, awesome. We wish you the best of luck. Thank so you. Are you keeping score? Do you know how many bucks you've shot this season? Yes, I, I have shot seven this season. <laughs> seven, is that all? It yeah. seems like 17. <laughs> yeah, I, I shot seven. I uh, I shot three here at home in South Carolina and then um, shot a, a really big 200-inch uh, mule deer in Alberta um, and then went to Kansas kind of for the pre-rut rut and, and shot a deer that um, – had been after for a long time. Um, he was a nine and a half year old. Uh, and, and I, you know, Don, that's something I kind of wanted to ask you about that Kansas buck. Um, he, he had, this was, he, he was the weirdest deer. He would show up late October, right until the rut. And then he would be gone. And it was always at night. He, and it was the, obviously the property I was hunting on was not exactly where he was living, but this year, he just boom every you know just three or four times in a row daylight five o'clock in the afternoon just showing up showing up showing up right up through this draw and i ended up going and shooting him and i've, I've heard this three or four times 
But do you think when they get to be a certain age, nine and a half or older, they, they start letting their guard down, or you just think it's just happenstance? What, what's your thoughts on that? You know, it's funny you should mention this because we just talked about this today. I was in northern Indiana doing a field day on a property that I've consulted on uh, multiple times over the past few years. And, and we had, uh, over the last two days, we had four groups come in one each morning, one each afternoon. And just today we was talking about these bucks and how, when they get older, I think that in my opinion, the toughest buck to kill is a five-year-old mm-hmm. and you know, they get a little bit harder each year, starting as a yearling each year, they get a little tougher to kill up to five and five to me seems to be when they're the toughest. And then after that, it seems like each year they get a little bit easier. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they become so comfortable, um, in in their home range that they, they've survived, you know, everything we've thrown at them and they just feel overconfident and they start moving more in daylight. And, And I know that outdoor writer, Bill Winky has written about this a few times and, uh, he, he's noticed the same thing. So. I think it's, there's absolutely something to it. it it's just got to be, you know, we, this deer got shot in the hip as a four-year-old, and he was always in that 170 to 190 range, depending on the year that he had. And, you know, we did, didn't know if he was around his, his five-year-old year, but he did show back up. Six-year-old, um, a buddy of mine hunted him for the whole season, never never saw him, had a few day, uh, nighttime pictures. I hunted him as a seven-year-old and, and got the last picture of him um, on November 2nd, and then we thought he was dead. We got no more pictures of him gone, and then lo and behold, as an eight-year-old, he showed up again. Nobody hunted him that year. I, I had already killed a buck in Kansas, and then I went in and, and got everything set up. Early, uh, I, I went out there actually in August and got some stuff set up, and then I went back out in October um, around the 15th and got everything dialed, got all my cameras in, everything done. And my plan was to come back around Halloween and just hunt him for the whole rut. And I, I flew home on, on Friday. And when I landed, he showed up at eight o'clock in the morning up this draw where I just put a trail camera out and it was a cold front coming in. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to fly back out there Sunday and flew back out there Sunday. My buddy that lives out there picked me up. He had an old Suburban I could use, drove out to the farmhouse where I stayed, got in that tree that afternoon, and a doe came in uh, to a to a pick bean field, and um, I heard a a fence wire uh, pop, you know, a cattle fence wire, like where a deer had jumped it, and I said, you know what, I bet that's Mm -hmm. him, and I was, you know, getting dark, getting dark, and I'm watching that doe, and she throws her head up and looks, and sure enough, he came right up the draw, right up the trail looking at her, and I uh, was able to get an arrow in him, and he didn't go 50 yards, and the story was over. But that that was, of of all the deer I've hunted, that, that's one of the most special ones because it's been, you know, s- such a long history with that deer and to, to shoot one that old and it, almost sad. You know, I, I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, when I walked up to him, um, you know, I, I was certainly excited. But, you know, an old warrior like that, man, it, it just, it, it was great, you know, being able to hunt a deer like that. Well, I totally understand the feeling when you <laughs> shoot one, it's bittersweet. Have you been filming these hunts, Joe, or? I've got a couple of them on, on film. Uh, some of them I do, some of them I don't. Um, I wish I did not have a camera in, in the in the tree for this one. Um, I, I should have. It, it would have been, 
I just I did a lot of that, in, you know, in my in my thirties and even into my early forties, and and it, it just I kind of missed just the pure hunting. Um, and and but I want to start again. I do like doing the filming, but um, I, I just kind of took a break from it and just concentrated on the on the hunting. So Don, I got a question about your answer there to circle back on that, that an older buck might be easier to kill than a five-year-old. Do you think it's his personality letting his guard down or do you think he has his home range down dialed in enough that in an area that doesn't have any intrusion that he knows it's safe? Um, well, you know, Bill Winky again wrote about this as well. And I, I think I've seen the same thing is that as they get older, their home range shrinks. It shrinks um, to a smaller core area that they're probably feeling safer at. Right. Yep. And that there's probably something to that, you know, that, uh, that they do feel safer in that smaller area. And that's probably why they pick that as their core area. When they're younger, they've got that bigger range and they figured out where within that range, they're the safest and, and boom, they get old and that's where they camp out. And it's like, so, it's so sorry, Terry, it's, it's so funny that, that you talk about that safe range. I mean, we, there's, there's huge, vast draws around this, this area that I hunted and it's, it's low deer density, but this buck was living 200 yards from a cattle barn. I mean, almost in a guy's backyard. And, and we had never hunted him at this end of the property. And it just, we, we, I got a picture of him and I thought, and then the light bulb went off and it should have gone off three dadgum years ago, but there was a little block of timber right there that, that, that an old couple owned. Nobody ever went in there. It was the famous grown up cattle pasture, but it was only, I don't know, seven, eight acres of really thick stuff. And I, I never got to walk in there because I didn't have permission to go in there, but I guarantee if I did, it would have looked like freddy krueger had been in there ripping those trees apart that that was his yep. home and it, it just over and over and over it repeats itself doesn't it yeah that's just the typical big buck i mean that's how they get old they find that little pocket where nobody even thinks to bother them and, and it, it also you know kind of plays into the beginner's luck you know idea where the the new deer hunter doesn't know what he's doing he goes out and shoots the biggest buck in the woods opening morning because he goes someplace that no other deer hunter that knows what they're doing would ever go yeah exactly right yeah right i mean i could see the barn i could have shot the barn with my bow where i was set up and he walked right by it you know right up the you know it was a it was a good funnel um and he just walked right up it you know that was where he was going out to feed and it just man it was worked out good so what happened after kansas well, Kansas, um, th then I was kind of scrambling for the rut and, uh, kind of got my, um, my rear end handed to me during the rut. I, I bounced around a little bit in Ohio on some, uh, permission properties and, and a buddy let me hunt a lease that he had. And, you know, that, that first seven days was, was pretty terrible weather wise. I, I know we, we talked about that. And, um, then there were some other people coming in to hunt it. And, um, so I, so I kind of pulled out of there and, um, came home and then you know when it gets to december for me that's kind of when i start heading way south texas mexico and um took some father and sons down to a to a big ranch in mexico and we hunted down there and had had great luck there they they really they it's a it's a 30 something thousand acre ranch and, and i was trying to get west to go with me west delts was going to go 
with me, but I, we didn't have any availability. I thought one guy was going to fall out and Wes was going to be able to get in and go. Um, but the guy ended up that, that was on the fence ended up, you know, going with us. But um, they, they had, they've had some really big deer, some 180s and 190s, you know, 100% free range, 30,000 acre ranch. And this year their rainfall was really weird in, in, in the, I guess the March, April, May timeframe, they got no rain. It was a severe drought. And then when it's, when October rolled around, it just poured and greened everything up. So it was a challenging year for horns. And then it was a challenging year for cover, you, you know, because they had so much browse, it, it was hard to get them out in the open where you could, you know, where you could get an arrow in them. But we, we did end up shooting a, you know, two, two nice ones down there and, and, um, I, I just love that because the weather's so nice. The rut is so visible. Um, you know, we hunt it in, in mid-December, and, and it's just this snort wheezing, chasing, fighting, scrapes, rubs. I mean, you see all of that, and it, it, it the weather's nice. It's, it's just a good, fun, different environment to hunt in. So how many states did you hunt in all? Do you, do you keep count of that? or? Well, let, let's see. I hunted Alberta. Kansas, Ohio, Kentucky, South Carolina, Mexico, and then back to Mexico. Yep, that was my that was my circuit. Wow. You know, most <laughs> people don't hunt that many states in a lifetime. And here you do it in a season. I, I you're, have you're a, getting ready to go again. <laughs> I have a, a bad disease, Don. A really bad disease. <laughs> a bad disease yeah. and a really understanding wife. She is an absolute <laughs> dream. We need to get her on the podcast and, and not have me on here and, and, and y'all could y'all could get some really, really good intel. <laughs> well, I'll tell you so, what, if you was an old buck, you'd you'd be hard to kill because you're never in the same place very long. Oh she, <laughs> she, well, she, she, up she moving. Could, she could kill me pretty quick and I think she thinks about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So I got a question I'm going to ask you here just in a bit, but, uh, before we do that, Joe, tee up this mule deer hunt that you're getting ready to leave for, um, cause everybody's going to be, you know, we're going to send them to watch your social media to see, I'm sure you're going to give status updates as you're going to do that, because this is almost kind of a ruts winding down post rut hunt. And, uh, what's it going to be? What's the setups? What's the targets, any details like that? So you can tee it up. Yep. So, um, going to Sonora, we fly into Hermosilla and we're hunting a ranch called the La Brea Ranch. B-R-E-A is the name of the ranch. And I, I you know, it's up there in the 20, 30,000 acre range and, um, they, they do uh, commercial mule deer hunting and coos deer hunting on it. And it's me and, and two buddies that are going down that I've hunted with, you know, a long time and, uh, they're going to rifle hunt. And the way those guys rifle hunt that is, they ride around on those top racks, you know, those trucks where you're up on top and you, you just ride those desert roads looking for mule deer. And the ruts, you know, it's still, it's winding down exactly like you say. Um, I'm going to be uh, hunting some, some pop-up blinds and some brush blinds. And I, I think I'm going to have to be a little bit instrumental on the setup and that mm -hmm. sort of thing because they're not super familiar with how to bow hunt. Um, so, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. They do, they do have feeding stations and I, I don't know about that yet. We'll see what, see what happens there. But, um, you know, mostly pop-up blinds and water holes is, is the intel that I've gotten. And, uh, it could be, you know, all day sits. I mean, they, they, it gets down to the twenties in the mornings there. So it gets good and cold, but then it can get up to the eighties, 
you know, in, in the day. So you can, you can have a, you know, 50, 60 degree temperature change. So, um, it gotcha. could be all day sits. I don't know, but I'm, yeah, I'll be keeping everybody posted and I'm excited to go try it. All right. So I got a question for both of you, but I, I want, I want to pose two different questions about the same topic. And I'm going to start with Don and, you know, uh, we, we talked in the opening segment about the land consulting that we've both done. I've been in, uh, basically mountain areas for the last three visits that I've done. One of them's been in Tennessee. One of them's been in Southwestern Kentucky. And then today I was up in Pike County, Ohio. And so much of these big timber areas you, in small properties, you have to maximize every square foot of the property. You know, it's, we're not hunting these big ranches. You're talking 50, 60, 70 acres in some cases. And when we go in and we see uh, hillsides that have timber and Don and I and Wes always have this uh, saying that you can't cut it too hard. When we're talking about TSI, where we're opening up that canopy it's probably where most landowners look at us most cross-eyed and say, you want me to do what? And, but we're looking at these big hillsides and trees where you can see, you know, 70 yards across the ground when you're walking just big open timber. And we want them to cut those trees either by logging or just real aggressive TSI. Don, how do you explain to the customer just to trust the process and what happens to that forest floor even if it's big trees small trees whatever when we open up that canopy explain what the environment does how long it takes to transform because it, it's really this glazed over even the guys that i was with today are like you want me to do what um talk just a little bit about that how you work with clients and what opening up that forest floor especially like on a south facing hillside does well i start by you know explaining that we got to make your property as as much different from the neighbors as we possibly can and you know that's with uh, better cover better food every way we possibly can we need to make your property better in the eyes of the deer than your neighbor and then I, hopefully we're somewhere close to the property line. And I say, look to your neighbor's woods, look at your woods. What's the difference today? There's no difference whatsoever. It's both the same. And you, you know, if you need, if you want to set your property apart from him, you're going to have to cut this hard and, and make it a lot thicker than his cover because those mature bucks, they want to, they seek out the thickest, nastiest cover they can to bed in. And, uh, you know, once they understand that their property has to be drastically different than the neighbor, uh, then they're a little more accepting of coming in there. And, you know, I tell them, you know, I, I'm all for being a good steward. I don't want to just come in there and destroy the woods, um, w without regard to the next generation of landowners that, that might own that property. You can come in there and do a very aggressive timber harvest and, and, and take the trees that are of value. And, and still leave a lot of the younger trees of the good species because, you know, even in a really good woods, there, there's going to be plenty of trees that are never going to have value. Um, they've got either, they're either of a, a species that's not going to have a lot of value or the branch structure of the tree is just not going to lend that tree to timber production. So you might as well get rid of those trees. And, and the key to doing, or the key to improving that habitat is getting sunlight in. You want to open up that canopy and get as much sunlight as you possibly can. And I tell them if it looks like a tornado come through there and just leveled the woods, 
it may look terrible for a time being, but all it takes is one summer of sunlight shining in there on the, on the forest floor, or the, you know, the, the ground and the place is just going to explode with new growth, weeds, briars, tree saplings. And not only are you creating better bedding cover, but you're also creating better browse for the deer. So, um, the thing that I also have challenged the, a couple clients is it's the fastest way to get thick cover. Because if we have an open field and we want to go plant switchgrass in there, you know, that's a two at best two year, maybe three year process to have truly fantastic bedding, especially these South facing hillsides. I don't know what it is about it. The, the constant more sunlight and it it explodes the even the year that you cut it and open that canopy explodes from the bottom up yeah there, there's no faster way to make cover than going into a wooded area and, and letting the sunlight in it, it takes literally one summer all right so joe the reason that i asked this question with you on it is because you just talked about how you bounce around and go all over the place to hunt when you see a transition of, of different structure in woods or fingers or funnels, you hunt a lot of big timber country down in South Carolina too. You know, is that something that you always are looking for? If I find a thick spot or I find a thick spot next to an open spot or a thick spot next to a ravine, are you hunting that edge? I mean, we're basically telling the, the our clients do this for the cover, but you can also, from a hunter standpoint, create the exact spot you want to hunt. Without question, you know, as, as Don was talking, I was thinking about one of my friends that's actually going on this mule deer hunt with me. They, they have 2,500 acres of the most manicured, beautiful property you have ever seen. It is giant 50-year-old pine trees, giant oaks, golf course type roads and food plots. It, it's it's world-class. He has a neighbor that he cannot stand that has 75 acres of cutover. And guess what? <laughs> that neighbor kills all the big deer. So, I mean, it, it is, and you see it over and over and over again. And I, I hunt, you know, here at home, these big, um, the Congaree Swamp Basin is what I hunt. And it's big hardwood flats and swamp and where guys go in and log you know they, they most of them are timber tracks and where they go in and log and where they meet those big open woods those edges that is absolute dynamite that's where you find all the scrapes all the rubs they're bedding in there i mean it's it's one it, it takes I, I, don i think you mentioned this it takes takes guys a little bit to to figure that out but when that light bulb flips and they see what that edge does. I mean, to me, whitetails are creatures of the edge. They love, they feel so safe. They can get back in that thicket if they need to. They're, they're, but they're, they're brave enough to come to the edge before it gets dark a lot of the time. So, so, um, you know, it's the edge is, is, uh, to, to me, that's key. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a topic that we talk about on every property that we go to, cause it's the fastest way we can manipulate the property to create cover and differentiate that property from the neighbors. And the reason I wanted both of you to ask that, answer that question is both from the habitat, quick regeneration of the forest floor, thick cover, and then the backside of it, if we do it strategically and put that edge close to where we have access to get in and out, 
then you end up with a game changer spot, especially when it's on the downwind side. No doubt. All right. Yep. Well, Don, Don, I got a funny story for you. You know, Joe's a good old sock. No, Joe's a good old Southern boy now, you know, (laughs) you know how them Southern boys are. And at the ATA show, we were, I was sitting in his booth, hanging out for a couple hours. And I told him about the new NutriCrave deer corn that we were coming out with. And you talk about a good old country Southern boy getting a little bit excited. (laughs) about what real real world's got coming out uh we had a really good conversation about what's coming and he's excited about that but we're just as excited about what he has coming in the osseo line and i'm going to tee this up just a little bit at the end of the podcast uh of this episode after the listener submitted questions we're going to play a short segment where joe's going to tee up a teaser of what he's willing to talk about in new products today but what, what it's going to do is we're also through the month of, I believe, March and April, right before and as we get into turkey season, there's some big, big things that are just fascinating that we're going to do small segments every week and record and play in lieu of the Osseo commercial. So after we get done with the listeners submitted questions, we're going to have Joe back on to tee that whole thing up and talk about the new products that we got coming this year. All right, well, to end today's show, we got Joe Miles back on to tee up some new products that he's announced at the ATA show. You got a big trade show circuit ahead of you. I know a lot of our Amish friends listening on MTech are going to be really excited to see you at different trade shows with stock inventory on hand that they can carry out there with them. Um, But Don and I were just talking, man, it is so awesome to see how many people have truly trusted this camo pattern and the quality of the garment and uh we see it everywhere we go when we're out on the on the road and don it's 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 everywhere isn't it well the observation that just blows me away is a year ago i did 80 some properties traveled from kansas clear out to the east coast everywhere in between i did not see a single osseo garment but osseo was just was brand new so that that's not really surprising, but this year, literally 50% of the places, maybe more than 50% of the places that I go to, there is an Osseo garment either on somebody, you know, laying in the truck seat, um, or wherever I, I see Osseo everywhere now. And, and I'm talking one year, just one year. And it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know the reason for it. It's amazing, but I, I just love seeing good people succeed and you know joe's one of the best guys in the entire hunting industry not only is he a big buck slayer but he's one of them guys that you root for to be successful in the deer woods but also to be successful you know in the business world um well we know he's working his tail off at both so that's that's the best thing is nothing was handed to him with this whole thing he's worked his tail off to get both the bucks on the wall and and the business off the ground well, well, I think yeah. we all know, you know, about the hard work and, and, and what it takes, but, but, you know, n- not to get, you know, off, off topic here, but I tell you without any question that the, the partnership that we have and with you guys, um, you know, talking about the brand, believing in the brand, it, it has made a huge difference in Osseo and getting it out to people. So I, I cannot thank y'all enough. It has made a huge difference with what you guys have done, you know, spreading the word. And, and the, the fact that the thing that, that was 
so amazing to me. I mean, I get three to five emails a week, guys wanting me to sponsor them and send them free stuff to put on their Instagram page. You guys, I mean, bought the stuff and said, hey, hey, wait, wait a minute. Now. Um, we, Are we, we still the only ones that did that? The, the only, the only, I'm telling you, I mean, you can, you know how it is at ATA. I mean, every, every 20 minutes, there's a new up and coming TV show, up and coming YouTube. Mm -hmm. Hey, we want stuff. We want stuff. We want stuff. And, and you guys are the only ones that literally bought it. I tried to give it to you. You refused it. You bought it because you, and, and it makes sense. You didn't want the obligation of, Hey, if this stuff's junk, you know, we, we're not going to, we're not going to tout it. And, and th that's something that, that, uh, I think a lot of your listeners and followers appreciate, you know, the, the, the fact that there's, there's not a whole lot of BS there and you tell it like it is. And if it's not something that works for you, you're, you're not going to be, you know, dealing with it. And once again, thank you all so much. We're definitely not the norm. Last week, Don had to disappear for 12 minutes of the podcast to go use the bathroom and came back sweating, <laughs> running down his face. So, But you know what? I still had both socks on when I got back. <laughs> you know what? My mother got on me about talking about you and a code brown on the podcast. She says, Terry Lane, I just, I can't believe you talk that way on the air. <laughs> we're, well, good for her. We, good for her. We, we are who we are. Well, let, let's yeah. get back on track here, Joe. Let's tee up uh, what what we're going to do is you got some new exciting stuff that we're going to go ahead and tease today. Yeah. Um, but we're going to go into more detail and, and show samples as this stuff comes in through the year. We're going to do many segments uh, and pick a product maybe each week, do uh, a minute or two little video or sampling of it. But let's do an overview right now of the, the key core things that are coming out this year that we can talk about today yep. and get a little bit of hype behind our listeners. And then to end this segment and the show, if you can do it offhand, I didn't tell you to prepare for this, but mention the trade shows you're going to be at uh, with product. If you know those off the top of your head, or at least the next couple ones that, that we can have people ready. Yeah, I've got, I've actually got a photo of those. We will be starting out in uh, Harrisburg. That, that'll be the next show. That's uh, February 4th through the 12th. So that, that's the first one. That's that big Harrisburg show. We've got a big booth there, ton of inventory. and So we, people will be able to try it on, touch and feel it, pick the right size. Them. Yep, take, take it, it with them. If take they it would. with them. If they'd rather, if they don't want to carry it around the show, we can drop ship it to them. You know, they can try it on, buy it all there. We can ship it to them, or they're welcome to take it with them if that's what they prefer. But we're going to have a truckload of inventory up there. We actually have stories of people that have tried on these garments and actually got mad because they couldn't take it with them. They wanted to take it, and you said, "I got to ship it to you." And like they, they literally got mad. So that won't happen at these trade shows, that, starting with the Harrisburg. So tell right. us, tell us what's new, because there's two of these things that I am just absolutely stoked about. Yep. So uh, starting out, you know, the backpack was a was a pretty big hit. We're going to have just a smaller version of that for the run and gun guys that want something a little bit smaller. Um, our, our backpack right now is 2,600 cubic inches, and these will come in at 1,800 cubic inches. So that's uh, one thing. We've got a non-metallic belt 
It's something I've never understood why in the hunting industry nobody's made a belt that doesn't have a buckle where you might rub or hit something on. So we've got a non-metallic belt that's pretty neat coming. I know that's just a small thing, but it it, it serves its purpose. We've got base layers. We've got a mid-weight and a heavyweight base layer in our camouflage that we've got coming. We've got a hand muff. Um, it, it's It's got some different fabrics on it to keep it really quiet when you put your hands in and out. Um, and then it, it's got a, one of those sweatbands over the buckle in the back, you know, which is something I never could figure out why nobody ever had one of those. Because you rub that on bark, that plastic buckle, you know, when you snap that thing around your back, um, that, that can be a problem. So we, we've got that coming. Um, we've got also a late season vest that's going to have 180 grams of Primaloft insulation in it and, and so those are the you know those are the main uh, products that we're going to have and terry you know i was telling you about some stuff we've got some fabric and some design uh things coming that we'll release in march or april that, that i really think are going to be game changing and um you know we, we we'll really tee those up social media when, when they're ready but um a, a couple things with fabrics and a couple design changes that, that i think uh, you know is going to change the game for us bow hunters well, I'll tell you, I'll answer the questions that you just asked because it runs in parallel with the guy that we're looking at right now. And that's the guy who started Real World is that the seed company was made by a guy that bow hunts and understood what bow hunters need and what nobody else had in the marketplace. And I think the parallel between what Don did with Real World and what you've done with Osseo is you're you're probably the only true committed bow hunter that hunts all over the country in all different kinds of scenarios that's the only one thinking of putting this stuff on a garment because most of these people designing these garments aren't aren't butters well you 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 see you know the the really high-end premium brands all of them were made in the mountains out west you know that that's where they were founded and and it's just it, because their market is so small they have to drift over into the whitetail space and they make good quality stuff but the design, the fabrics, and and the camouflage is just not what. Th that's the gap we saw. You know, that's the gap we filled with Osseo. The, the prices were crazy, so we wanted to make it consumer direct, so the prices would be more reasonable. Put a camouflage pattern that really worked for the whitetail guys in tree stands hunting, and then have a really high end quality garment. And that that's the gap we wanted to fill. Yeah, Don Joe's story sounds a little familiar to when you started Real World, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And and Joe, I'll give you a warning. When you got a good product, you got about six months to run with it and everybody's gonna try to knock it off. But uh um they're gonna have a hard time competing with Osseo because you got a run and start and nobody's got the garments to compare. And I was just asked about it today there in Indiana if I really liked it because I've been wearing my Osseo on all my consulting visits. Um, just so people can see it. And, uh, I think you got a great thing. I don't see your sales slowing down at all. I think you're just going to pick up steam and, and, and keep chugging ahead. Well, f fingers crossed. I tell you, it's, it's, again, it's been a blessing to get hooked up with you guys. And, and I just, again, can't thank you enough. Well, Joe, um, let's, let's tee up real quick and plug your podcast. Um, cause I think that we might even take a segment or two out of this and let you all play it over on yours. Uh, if you so choose, you guys asked if we, you wanted to do that. And if you choose to, we're more than happy with it, 
But before we sign off here, why don't you plug your podcast? Tell everybody where they can follow you and Osseo at. Yeah, so our podcast is Mission Whitetail, and and Don, you've been on there um, once. We'll try to get you back on there again. I know you're super busy, but it's uh, Mission Whitetail is the name of the podcast. Um, we, we uh, it's obviously Facebook, Instagram, Mission Whitetail, and then Joe Miles is Joe Miles Hunting. That that's my handle on Instagram and and Facebook, and then OsseoGear.com is our website. All right, fantastic. I want to throw in a couple things while we still got you, Joe. I got one of the cards that you sent me to, to put in the various orders, book orders or whatever I ship out, send it to all the consulting clients when we put the plan together. I just want to make sure everyone knows um, if you want to order Osseo, get 15% off. You can use the code Higgins15STAR if you're doing it online. I also want to give the 800 number for our Amish listeners. If you're interested in ordering Osseo camo, you can call 1-888-544-7150. And you want to talk just a second about your return policy, Joe, because I know you got the best one in the industry. Yeah, so so we, we offer um, uh, free shipping to the guys. They get the stuff. They try it on. If it doesn't fit, we send them a prepaid return label. They can send it back to us. We exchange it for the size they want, and we, we get all that turned around. If we if we get the package in uh, before noon, it'll ship that day. Um, our UPS guy picks up at 3.30. We'll get it turned around that day, and then we do have a lifetime warranty on all of the garments. If five years down the road a zipper breaks, send it back. We'll get it repaired, or we'll get you a brand-new pair. We, we, we believe in the product, and, and um, you know we, we offer an absolute lifetime lifetime guarantee on it can't beat that it's as good as it gets <laughs> joe we can't thank you enough uh obviously the partnership but more importantly uh you've not only supported us you've supported lester's feet um we had just a phenomenal year with that and i look at our partners of this podcast as just an extension of helping families and uh you know basically doing mission work everywhere we go i mean it's all an extension of good people trying to rally together to do something better in in our world and uh not only that but your friendship means a lot it's it's great to always get to hang out with you and talk with you try to learn how to kill all these deer all across the country every year <laughs> well thank you all again guys we really appreciate it thank everybody you, have Joe. a good week god bless thanks a lot y'all take care